Hey, what's good, everybody? You're in for a great episode of We Gotta Talk with me, Coach J, aka Jordan Holbert. Uh, but before we get to today's episode, um, I do have to address what happened in Kansas City. Um, it's late here, and I'm a little tired, so I might not get this all right and say this all how I want it to be said, but I feel like something needs to be said. Um, today's episode is all about gun violence, and as you may have heard and may uh, be hearing for the first time, there was a mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade out in Kansas City. Um, and what a terrible thing to have such a celebration go so terribly awry, but what I don't want to have happen again and what I think will happen happen again and continue to happen if people don't stand up and do something finally, we're going to continue this cycle of thoughts and prayers. We've had thoughts and prayers for years. We've had thoughts and prayers for decades. We need thoughts, prayers, and we need action. We need bold, decisive, and immediate action on on this issue of gun violence in America. It's as American as anything to have this type of violence, and it's time for healing and it's time for hope, and it's time for a change. Um, my heart is with everyone who was in Kansas City, had anyone who was a loved one who was hurt or harmed, uh, the family that lost a loved one. Uh, we need more than thoughts and prayers for these people and for all the people that are suffering from gun violence. Um, the rest of this episode will be a much more upbeat, more hopeful, and more cheery. Uh, so I hope that you continue to listen um, and find your own way to take action against some of the problems that you're seeing in your community. All right, let's get into it. Yo, what's good, everybody? Thanks for listening in to We Gotta Talk. This week's episode, we've got an incredible interview with one of my mentors, one of the most impactful people that I know that I've had the chance to meet and that has come into my life in the past year, uh, Coach V, Valencia Peterson, the founder and creator of ODAP. Wonderful person. I'm so excited for you all to be graced with her presence over the sound waves. Uh, and before that, we're going to be kicking off each episode with a new segment called Coach J's Two Minute Drill. And this week, it's all about the Super Bowl, baby. Like for real, for real, this might have been possibly the greatest Super Bowl of all time. You had the dominant Kansas City Chiefs against the cursed San Francisco 49ers. Y'all did cap wrong. What's there not to love? You've got Patty Mahomes, the GOAT, Andy Reid, a GOAT, and Taylor's boyfriend, a GOAT, going up against the young legend, Mr. Irrelevant himself, turned superstar in Brock Purdy with his full arsenal of offensive weapons. Yo, and as a defensive coordinator, don't even get me started. Those defenses were fast, hard-hitting, great tacklers, and able to cover everybody everywhere. It was amazing. First half, as a DC, man, I was loving it. Second half had me scratching my head a little bit. But we got overtime, the second overtime of all time. And did I mention Taylor was there? But for real, for real, more importantly, Kylie was there. Shout out, Kylie. So, yeah, we had great defense in the first half. So much offense in the second half and overtime. like. Couldn't have had it any better on the field. Then you throw in the halftime show. What? And that Usher halftime show? Man, that is an instant top 10 of all time. Way to go, Usher. Had me doing the A. 
Town Stomp. Hey, he brought out Alicia Keys. He brought out Lil John. He brought out Ludacris. He brought out Jermaine C. Lo Dupree. And that man had to try me and the who wore it better. Yeah, he had to try me. I got him though. Of all the star power, one shine brighter, older, and more beyonce -er e than all the rest. I doubt the NFL scriptwriters had a surprise Beyonce country music drop on their bingo cards. Yo, just give her the album of the year right now. Let's go ahead and close it down. It's over. Just like today's two-minute drill. Only feedback is NFL. Do the smart thing. Do the right thing. Move the Super Bowl back a week so that it's the week of the three-day holiday so we ain't got to go to work on Monday. Come on now. That's it. All right. I'm going to go ahead and get into today's episode of We Gotta Talk. Thank you for your time and your attention. Enjoy. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to We Gotta Talk. This is the podcast where hype isn't just a buzzword. It's a lifestyle. This is hosted by me, Jordan, a.k.a. Coach J. I'm a dedicated hype beast with a passion for the stories that make the culture tick. Each week, I'm going to dive in, inviting someone special from my vibrant circle to unpack the tales behind the trends of whatever it is they've got going on. This isn't your average chat about what's dropping uh, in the world or what's happening on social media. We're here to dissect the journeys, the wins, the setbacks, and the relentless drive that fuels the movers and the shakers of our community. From artists to athletes, designers to entrepreneurs, I'm going to shine a spotlight on the excellence that surrounds us. I'm going to foster a space where every voice is heard and every story is celebrated. So if you're ready to dive into the heart of a great conversation where every story matters, and you're ready to find out what keeps the community moving, you're in the right place. We Gotta Talk is more than a podcast. It's a journey into the soul of our world. Let's get talking. And today, I get to welcome none other than Coach V, one of my biggest mentors, one of the most important people that I've met. Uh, it's crazy. We've only known each other for about a year. Um, but Coach V is the founder, the healer, the creator of ODAP, Open Door Abuse and Awareness Prevention uh, here in Philadelphia, uh, soon to be here in the world. Um, she's going to be making big moves. Um, Coach V uses the sport of football to change lives. And I'm not going to say much more than that because I want her to be able to tell her own story. So Coach V, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. I appreciate you. Uh, putting yourself out here and coming on this episode. I really, really am excited for this conversation. Um, yeah, it's, isn't it crazy that this has only been a relationship that we've had for a year? Yeah, it doesn't seem like a year. It seems longer, much longer. It really was. We had our first conversation the week before the, week before the Super Bowl. I remember that because I was rushing out the door. I was on the phone with you, Coach Mars, and Coach Link. And at the same time that I was on the phone with y'all, I was trying to hurry up and pack my bag because I was flying out to Arizona. I'm packing my bag to oh, make wow. the flight to the airport. And <laughs> I was scrambling. I was rushing. I was all, I've been telling you, I'm, I was nervous because that was kind of the application process. Like that was the interview call to see if, if our football team was going to be a part of ODAP. And I didn't want right. to blow it, but I also had to get to that flight. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot going on, but here we are a year later. Um, really, really, really impactful one year so yeah, far. Yeah. Looking forward to what comes next. Did you, well, did, been, you been, go ahead. I was going to ask, were you aware that I was all flustered on that first phone call? <laughs> no, 
no. And I didn't, I, I may have remembered a little that you were going somewhere, but no, no, I wasn't okay. aware of it. You was calm, cool, and collected. Awesome. That's good to know. That's good to know that I made a decent first impression. Um, you did. You did. I want you to have a chance to kind of go ahead and tell the listeners about yourself and mm -hmm. about ODAP. Okay. Um, you know, as Jordan said, my name is Coach V. This Valencia Peterson, but Coach V is what most people know me as. And I am the founder of Open Door Abuse Awareness Prevention. We open the door to bring awareness to what abuse is in order to prevent it. And we do it through many different platforms and mediums. And Jordan happens to be in the medium of uh, sports for us because he's a football coach. So we uh, specialize, honestly, in using that medium for violence prevention. And we basically, you know, uh, deal with all types of violence, all facets of violence, sexual assault, domestic violence, gun violence, anything in the area of harm, we're going to be addressing in a prevention uh, way with the young people that we work with, not just the young people, but the coaches that we work with too. Ironically, you hear Jordan say about, uh, he was being interviewed, if you will, to be a part of ODAP. That must've sound really interesting, right? But the work that we do is so in-depth and it's so um, impactful that we can't just do it with anyone, any team, any coach. You have to be brought into the philosophy of where we're heading, what we're trying to do in order for the impact to be uh, what we want it to be. So, yeah, we do a little interview process. I don't, <laughs> I don't think we intimidate them too much. No, it was very welcoming. and the way that you framed it and what you were, what you were telling us we were going to get out of the program and being a part of ODAP and being in the family, it was exactly yeah. what we needed. It was exactly what we needed. You know, our team, we were new. We had been coaching for two years. I had only coached football for two years. Uh, we have a mm -hmm. small staff. We started during COVID. I didn't know the kids. I didn't know, really, I didn't know Coach Mars. I didn't know anybody at the school. I was just a dude who lived in a neighborhood who loves yeah, football. Jumping in there. Exactly. And Thank first God, year was like crazy. You. <laughs> I'm Thank telling God, you. People like you. Thank that God. first year almost drove me away. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we had, man, yeah. we had everything thrown at us that first year. But I like to say that that first year, we were just a couple of kids and some guys playing football in the park. Uh, the second year, we were all together. Uh, mm -hmm. The performance didn't go much better, but we at least became a team. I think last yeah. year we became a decent team. And now, you know, ODAP was a huge part of that jump from team to decency. And mm -hmm. I'm excited to kind of see where we go next. Um, right, right. So my my first question, though, for you is, why do you think that I asked you to come on the show? Well, I, I know that the impact in the last year that, we have had in the relationship that we have built has been impactful for you. I know in particular, some of the stuff that we've done in, in regards to trauma mm -hmm. has been life, uh, not even life changing, but just help develop even now the young man that you are and, and where you're headed, which is an amazing thing. And I'm very proud of you. But I, I think that you invited me on not only because of the impact that we had on you as an organization, but also the impact that you received being a coach. 
not just the players, mm-hmm. you know, because originally we're, we're coming to work on your team, right? But little did you know, <laughs> right, that you be worked on too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? You, you brought me on because you saw something that really appealed to you about yourself and others that you feel that others could really benefit from. And not to mention, we've just become good friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a cherished friendship. Yeah. We're part of the ODAP family. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. It's it's more than just, you know, uh, a collaboration. It's really a partnership. It's a family. Right. Um, That's most and it's a family I'm proud to be a part of. I think one part mm-hmm. that you left out is that I want people to hear you and hear your story because the impact that you've had okay. on me and and the Vox Cougar Nation, Cougar Nation, and all the other teams that you worked with, like you, you had, you have a crazy record. Your record this year was crazy, coach. You had, you had six yeah. out of six make the playoffs. You had, yep. you had to have the most wins at any coach in this city. Had to, if you stack up all your teams, <laughs> six out of six make the playoffs and you got a state championship. Come on now. You did it. Like this was a, well, this was a great year. You know what? I tell you what, let me just put this in concept here. Uh, some of the team, a team that I work with and, and, and walk with and I consider family, um, you know, I had the privilege of watching them blossom on the sideline as they won the state championship. How about yeah. that? You know, uh, Emiltep in particular is a school that I started working with years ago. Um, doing, you know, blue and red brain stuff with them and character building things and challenging them to get into blue, which we'll learn more about on this call. Um, And then just walking with them and the coaches. Again, a lot of our work, even though it's for the kids, the coaches benefit a great deal from what we do. For sure. Yeah, but it's true. I've been, I've been, I've been privileged enough to be on the sideline of six great teams here in Philadelphia doing great things. You want to shout out the six teams? You want to show, shed some light on who's oh, in the ODAP okay. family? Yep. Yeah, okay. Our family consists right now of MLK, where uh, Malik Jones is the head coach. Kip, Paul is the head coach. Fox, Rob is the head coach. Uh, Pinwood, Troop is the head coach. George Washington, and then there is the head coach there. And who am I leaving out? You, you mentioned Tep. MLTEP previously. Box, Kip, Penwood, you got George Washington. Was there somebody? That was six. Was five or six. Who's? MLK, Box, GW, Tep, Kip, and Penwood. That's six. You got them okay. all. Okay. Nailed it. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Yeah, it's uh, six great teams, six great uh, coaching staffs. And I think that you did a great job of identifying that piece that you're looking for in that, in those early conversations to see if coaches and teams are a fit because this stuff is intense. It takes, it takes you away from the, some of the time that you have, the limited time that you have with your kids. We have yes. four days of practice each week. Some days we play on, some weeks we play on Thursday. So we get three days of practice those particular yeah. weeks. Um, this, was, this year was crazy. with the So to give up some of that time to focus on the ODAP training, and the check-ins and the red versus the blue, initially it might seem like, whoa, I can't do that. Like, 
I can't, I can't yeah. give up that time. Football's all football practice is all about repetitions. I can't give up the time of repetitions, but you also yeah. have to get those repetitions, those mental and emotional, those socio emotional learning type activities too. that trauma healing. Like, yeah. I don't know if we would have made it through this year if we didn't have some of the ODAP training that we had. So can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about, let's get into the why, like why, why ODAP, why football? Um, one of the questions that we've, we've discussed is how do you even do this? How do you teach nonviolence through a violent sport like football? How does that even make sense? Right, right, right. Well, you know, one of the things that I think is crucial for folks to understand is that aggression is not bad, right? Aggression's not bad. And it's not bad to be angry, you know, um, you know, in, in having something so tangible as aggression and anger being played out on the field, you get the beautiful opportunity to right then and there do a comparison mm-hmm. on how to harness this powerful aggression and shape it the way you want it to be and not let it shape you. Okay. You don't want aggression to, to, to grab you by the whatever and drag you around, you know, we want to be able to harness, mm-hmm. right, our own aggression so that we can turn it on and turn it off when we want to. Not that it's driving us to do things unthinkable because we don't have enough uh, discipline or wherewithal to, to, to stop ourselves. Most mm-hmm. of the people that play football will tell you someone recommended this sport to me because I was aggressive or I had anger issues. So already you have a group of young men that getting cut into the chase could be a potential shooter. Mm-hmm. At least in the eyes of the people who are recommending them to the game. Right. Because the aggression is what's ap- uh, appealing to a coach or an individual who's inviting them into this sport. That same aggression on harness can become a weapon mm-hmm. of violence, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So bringing a kid in and explaining to him, now get this, bringing a kid in and explaining to him that his aggression is a trauma response mm. and breaking it down to him and helping him to understand why he is the way he is, is more powerful and more freeing and liberating than anything. And someone who is living in that aggression, you know, a player says to me, well, I have anger issues. And I was like, who told you that? He said, I don't know. I've just been hearing it all my life. Mm. And I'm saying to him, you know what? What if I told you you don't have anger issues at all? What you do have is a trauma response. Mm -hmm. To see that young man's face and the way all of a sudden he looked like, wow, I'm not such a bad person. Right. You know? It's like a light bulb goes on. And when a light bulb goes on in the matter, then you can see clearly how to navigate. What You know, being in that situation where you're all caught up in aggression is like being in a dark room. And you can't, and you're feeling your way around and you're just reacting and responding. There's no, oh, I see, so I respond. There's just instinct. Exactly. Fight, flight, fear, terror, alert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's just instinct. But when you turn the light on, aha, right? right? Now you see, oh, the chair was right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a trauma response. Something happened that made me bump into the chair. You feel me? Exactly. It's not just that you just bumped into the chair. No, 
something happened. And it's not even to cause you. It's not even that we have to put blame and fault on you bumping into that chair. The no. lights were off. <laughs> yeah, like you did not know. You like did we not have understand. To, one thing I think we one of my takeaways from all of our conversations and all the trainings and the trauma informed care certifications that we've done is that we can't look at and name things a disorder when it's the normal response to the chaos around. Like you exactly. can't, you can't say, oh, why are you so angry yes. when it's a response to, to the behaviors in the world and the world and the hazard, how it's unfolding either to that person yeah. or around that person. Like if, if you're sending kids to hung to school, hungry, tired, and you know, just got yelled at or hit, you can't expect that kid to, to have success in, in a normal system, right? In the system that's just supposed to, hey, you're supposed to be ready to sit in this chair for 70 minutes Hours. while we lecture at you. Or, yeah, you know. It doesn't work. Like some of the things it we talked work. about in, in, our, in our Monday calls. You know, we had those weekly Monday calls with a group of yes, six of us. Yes. And we got to go through and really dissect the question of what happened to you versus what's wrong with you. And right. thank you for introducing me to that concept, to the book um, from Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry and taking the time to really have some discussions. What was the first time that you, that you read that book? And what was you, what was the, your takeaway from that, from that? Uh... Well, it opened my eyes further. I, I, it opened my eyes further to the stress response that my brain experiences and why it experiences what it experienced. It opened my eyes to why I do, why I experience what I've experienced. I've experienced a lot of trauma mm -hmm. in my own life. And, and when, and, and we, as people will continue to, dissect and, and come face to face with things that we didn't realize affected us as much as they did until that time it affects us and we're triggered, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was part of my trauma healing to read a book like this to understand myself. I tell many people my, and you know, as we speak about these things on this call, I don't know who's going to listen to this, but whoever does, there's things that you might hear on this call that might trigger you. Mm -hmm. And it's important that you take care of yourself. And these conversations that we have, when people talk about trauma, I just think it's so important to, you know, have people to take care of themselves. Because any given conversation, you can hear something that can, can trigger you. And mm -hmm. you're off in this land of back down memory lane and you're feeling things. So I say that to say that my own trauma had to do with my father murdering my mom and feeling like, how can I get in front of another person's actions such as that? Because I, I don't think my dad woke up that morning and said, oh, you know what? Today I'm going to murder my, my, my wife. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't, you know, people not necessarily, and, and I will say this confidently, people just aren't born that way. Right. Things happen to cause that. And, and it, the interesting thing, and, and I want, this is food for thought, you know, I was telling a woman the other day, if a child, an infant being born and never sees her mother smile because she's wearing a mask, that child will never know how to smile. It'll be a crucial part of that child's brain development 
being stunted mm -hmm. just because it cannot see a mother's smile. There are many crucial things that happen to children at a very, 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 very young age that form who they are as adults. At a very young age, as a, if, as an infant is developing, it is so important that it sees its mother's smile. All kinds of beautiful connections are happening there. But if certain things in the brain are not awakened, and I'm thinking things like empathy, mm -hmm. things like response, you know, a, a, cry, a child never cries because it's just determined to wreck your life. <laughs> <laughs> they need something. Right. And again, no one's born, you know, I'm going to be a murderer. No, no, no. Something happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. It's, it could be that other piece too. It could be something that's not happening. You mentioned right. the, the smile and you think yeah. about the joy on a child's face, like yeah. a kid smiling or a kid laughing. It doesn't even matter if you're just walking down the street and see a baby smile at you in the stroller. Like that's a magical moment. It's so much joy. It's and so unfiltered. It's beautiful. And guess what? As soon as they smile, there's chemicals that's released in that kid's mind, their brain, that mm -hmm. just breathes, bathes that brain with endorphins and all kinds of beautiful things. Imagine if a brain never experiences that. Exactly. That's exactly. frightening. That's frightening. Exactly. Now you talk, you talk about some pretty heavy concepts, but you have a way of making it sound understandable and relatable. Like we know at the deeper level that we're talking about the limbic system versus the prefrontal cortex, but, and, you know, memories being stored in the amygdala and how all the different parts of the brain come together. We talked about, you know, oxytocin, serotonin, all the other endorphins, all the other hormones. Now we don't get on the football field and sit down our players and break it down at this mm -hmm. level because, you know, they don't need to understand it scientifically they need to understand how to apply it can you talk about the application and how you came yeah. up with such a simple meaningful like you you you've used different tools to to illustrate this one of my favorites is is the brain as a sponge uh, i think that's such a great yeah. tangible tool that is such an easy simple demonstration but everyone can get it can you kind of walk through yeah. red versus blue brain and how you came up with that and how you coach it Right. Well, I had to come up with something where my young men could, could grab the concept simply, quickly. In red and blue colors, you can see it with your eyes. You can imagine it brings life to it. Red and blue, two things. That's it. Red brain is a brain that is tech full of terror, alert, alarm, all the things that make for that flight, freeze, fight type thing, you know? And the blue brain, the cortex, is where you do your critical thinking that in most teenagers really is not developed. And it basically is still like under construction and one minute it's up, one minute's down. Yes, your teenager is crazy type thing <laughs> because their brain is in such a state where it's just under construction mm -hmm. constantly. And that's why it's so foolish for us to say that a 14-year-old boy is a man. His brain is not even a man yet. His brain is nowhere near that. And so we, we, we deal with, I wanted to give my young men that I was working with something simple but powerful that they could sink their teeth in and comprehend. 
So in speaking about the brain in, in, in general, we talk about the fact that it develops from the bottom up. Yeah. Up is the cortex. Mm -hmm. It is the last part of the brain that's fully developed. So a kid is going through so many different things. Like just like a computer, we need to upgrade. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We get upgraded. Young people every year in their brain, there's another upgrade being done. Every another day. upgrade being done. Another upgrade being done. And so we feel like the the with my work in particular, I'm explaining to them why the upgrade needs to happen, right? In very simple terms. Your cortex is not developed yet, but it's on its way. And this is how you can help transition from that red part of your brain, the back part of your brain, all the way to the top part, which is your cortex, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, because we're using football, my guys understand more of the emotional side of things. And a lot of times our guys get stuck in the back of their brain where all their feelings and emotions lie. They get stuck there because everything is so right now, right here, right now in your face that they don't have time to think about no. anything else. Mm -mm. Everything is reactionary. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But by saying to them this simple thing, do you want to be a great player? Yes, I do. Well, let me tell you how you can do it. You got to access that cortex. Mm -hmm. They get it. And now yeah. they're still enough to, okay, how to do that? Right? Mm -hmm. Now we got them, on the, got them on the hook. They want to know how to get to that cortex. Okay. Now we can start filling their two books playbook with things that transition them from the red to the blue part of the brain where they can be that great player that they want to be. Right, because they all want to be. So, so the current is the great player. Mm -hmm. So sports in itself is a beautiful platform because a goal is, is being gone after. And because that, that goal is towards. real to them, yeah. they're going to try to get to that cortex. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds simple, but it's powerful. It, that's, I think the simplicity is what makes it powerful because you came and you were able to explain it to me in 15 minutes, came and explained it to the players in another 15 minutes. Like, what's one thing I took away from you is like, I, I always wanted to do what you're, what I learned to do through, through ODAT. And I used to try and do it with these big, long speeches or these long <laughs> exercises and, you know, kids are kids. They don't, they're not paying attention to you for any more than 15 minutes at a shot. And you could be, you could be dropping the, the greatest gems. You could be the greatest yeah. teacher, the greatest coach. Yeah. If you're not getting them re reinvigorated every so-and-so minutes, you're not holding their attention. So to Absolutely. be able to take these big concepts and simplify them down, I think that's exactly what makes everything that you're teaching so, so incredibly powerful. And it has to be because unfortunately, you know, the schools that you're engaging with are all in areas that need an additional amount of help or under-resourced yeah. a lot of times, uh, yes, hyper-indexing on poverty, hyper-indexing on systemic injustices, hyper-indexing on gun violence. Um, grief. grief. Grief is a result of yeah. all of those things, of yeah. all of those things. And one, you know, one thing that we started to notice is everyone's grieving so when the whole family's grieving who's checking on the kids because everybody's hurt 
And that kid might be grieving for, you know, maybe it's the first time this kid has lost someone, or maybe it's the ninth time that this kid has lost someone, but everyone around them has also had that loss. So sometimes as coaches, we, we carry a lot. We carry a lot of extra and it's so important to be able to, to refill your cup. So having, having this group of coaches throughout the city that we're all dealing with different challenges, but similar challenges and Mm -hmm. being able to support and empathize and just understand, unfortunately, you know, sometimes what we're going through, but it's nice to, nice to know that you have someone and you're not out there alone. Cause that's, That's you know, there's so many times where some of the kids do feel like they're alone and that can weigh heavy on, on the, on the coach that's hearing that over and over again. So to have this community is huge. It's a, and you know, it's, one of the it's things, a I tell you, I, ODAP is a coach's best, best, bestest friend. Absolutely. They, they, they have no idea how good ODAP is for their team and the coach, because most coaches that I know started coaching because they wanted to help kids. Mm-hmm. By the time they're knee deep in it, they don't feel like they're doing that anymore. They're burnt out. They felt like they've given a hundred percent and only got 20 back in return. Yeah. But when you bring old app in there, you can start to see, okay, this is going to work. I'm doing, this is what I want, but you have an extra hand. It's another coach's hand, but yeah. it's not for everybody. It's, it's not for everybody. Not. <laughs> it is definitely not. It's not. And I think that we got to spend a little bit of time too talking about what's next for ODAP because there's big things coming. I know um, we've been working a little bit more strategically off the field together. Can we talk a little bit about our very, very cool Friday we had uh, when we got to go over to Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania, connect with, (laughs) we connected with some people. There were some great organizations. Yeah. Uh, Temple University yeah. was represented. Drexel was there. You uh, can. Yeah. LaSalle. Yeah. All that. University of Delaware. University yes. of Delaware. Yes. It was, a, it was a great opportunity to connect with a room full of people that want to bring positive change. And that positive right. change is infectious. But that positive change is it also is. part of why I wanted to have this show. Uh, and have this opportunity to have these conversations because there's so many people that are doing great things, you and I included, mm-hmm. but we also got to see that there's a lot of other people in and around this city with similar missions. Uh, you had the oh, gentleman yeah. who helped make the uh, the hip hop song about uh, oh, that you was know, so urban farming cool. and eating healthy. So that was amazing. Yeah. It was incredible. It was incredible. So many people doing important work. That's going to have a great impact on the, on the community. You want to talk a little bit about your experience at CDRD? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, just on in full, in full transparency, I thought I felt like I went in there. At, <laughs> I felt <laughs> like I went in there as an elementary school kid uh, <laughs> trying to present my thing, if you will, with sponges and brains and food dye coloring and all that stuff. <laughs> well, it, it's what you used to explain to the words. kids. It's what she used yeah, to explain well, to the kids and you kept it simple. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I really went in there just like I would go in there with my kids. And uh, on one hand, I felt like, oh, gosh. But at the same time, I realized sometimes less is best. Mm-hmm. And people learn differently. And um, 
it is what it is, you know, and I felt like we had a pretty strong presentation. Absolutely. And I was surprised to hear that there's research money out here that cannot be given out because they don't have people that produce things for research. Um, that's, you know, something credible that they mm -hmm. can sink their teeth into for research. And I just thought that in itself was a very interesting thing that so many people there, you know, these big, you know, these colleges and these schools and these hospitals are looking to do research and give funds for this research to the communities mm -hmm. that are doing, doing this amazing work in, in the city, which is a wonderful partnership, right? Yeah. You got the community in the trenches and these big organizations and hospitals trying to connect to see what works and what doesn't. And they're giving, and they're at the same time benefiting the, the organizations that they're sewing exactly. into. They get the knowledge of the research and the organization gets funded. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just an amazing thing. More things like that ought to happen. Absolutely. I think. I think that's something that could be scaled. And I was really glad scaled to be there. I thought it was who, huh? I think that's something that could be scaled and repeated other places, which, you know, I'm excited about the propensity to have an impact on this. Like you said, there's the community side, right? There's the people that are here in the streets with the kids. In the trenches. Doing things, right? Right yes. here, actively day-to-day -day doing it. But you're bringing in the money. You're bringing in the the systems and the support and the resources to give those right. because a lot of times like man me and robbie had to work our butts off to raise forty two hundred dollars just to get a, a blocking sled to make sure the kids know how to mm -hmm. block and tackle safely you know like that was that was a one year long mission not even a project we were on a mission to get that forty two hundred yes, to raise that money and you know it's it's nice to know that there's going to be some connections and uh some sustainable pathways with the higher ups if you will exactly exactly yeah. so being able to navigate yeah. those spaces is huge um i was very happy i was very proud of what uh what odap presented what my company it's all connected coaching and consulting was able to present it was yeah we had that like we had that tight little block, hallway right? we had that tight little hallway jumping we were just passing them back and forth. Oh, you want to check out ODAP over here? Pop over here. It's all connected. Yeah, we, we were running. We were running things. It was great. It was great. said to me, I was trying to get over to your thing, but it was so many people over there. <laughs> well, here was yeah, my yeah, private. was my elementary thing, you know? No, nah, it was eye-catching. It was eye-catching. Eye and we were, we were, you know, we had big, we both had big personalities. So, you know, we're going right. to, we're going to hold people's attention. So. I was in such a good mood leaving there because again, mm -hmm. you had that room full of energy. You had that room full of excitement and it was people that all want to make a positive impact. And, yes. you know, I talked a lot about the importance of reducing poverty in order to impact the amount of gun violence. So I'm a firm believer right. that, you know, you take money, you take resources, you take food, you take access to things that you need to stay alive out of a community or you make it hard for people to reach it, it makes it, yes. it makes it into a, a, into a war zone. Like you, you turn it into That's an, right. it an area where people are like, to use your metaphor, you're back in the dark. You don't have that light to know yeah. where you're going. Anything is going to set you off. Anything is going to trip yeah. you up and it, it mm -hmm. becomes a survival mode. So you have to have sustainable pathways to success sustainable, scalable, repeatable pathways to success. And without those, you will continue to have violence. Um, and for me, I think it's pretty clear cut. Like 
there's ways to do it. And I, I had an opportunity to present some of those ways and we'll be able to build on some of those ways. So I'm excited for that. But right after, right after that great day at CHOP and with all those resources, that positivity, I drive home and see cop cars out front because there was a shooting right across the street, middle of the day, like 12 noon on a Friday. Like it's a beautiful day out. It's sunny. People come in and grab coffee. People walking to and from, walking their dogs. Kids were out. And I'll, I'll share it with you. I'll send it to you. But it's crazy. I'm holding this big three foot by four foot poster that's all about preventing gun violence. And right behind me, as I'm getting out my car, the scene of gun violence, like it's, it's such a direct need. My zip code where I coach football is one of the most dangerous places for a 14 to 18 year old to be because there's not things for them to do after school. You have to have things for kids. Idle time is not like, if you don't want to have a city full of, of 14, 18 year olds without anything to do positively, let's get these kids into programs like ODAP. Let's get these kids into things like give and go athletics. Like it, let's get these kids into all these go. things that are happening around this city and empower these people. Like there's people who want to do things. And there's kids who want, like all these kids want is an opportunity to be seen, mm -hmm. be heard yep. and do something they want to do with a group of friends. So we need more spaces to do that. We need more places to do that. We mo need more people who want to be a part of that. So that's my call to action for everybody is just find a way to get a, get active, get involved. Um, there's work to be done. So let's get to work on doing it. Yes, I agree. I agree. Shout out to Give and Go Athletics and so many other ones, no more. And so many others in the city doing a great job with doing what they can, you know, level up Philly. Mm -hmm. So many, so many great organizations are out here doing such great work. And, There's a bunch. You know, we'd be remiss not to give them the shout out that they deserve, you know? Mm -hmm. I just want to mm -hmm. say that. They deserve yeah. a great shout out. It's an exciting time in Philly for real. Like it the, is actually the gun violence is coming down. The, the economy looks like it it's is. it's scaling up. We got I think we have a dynamite mayor. We were at the we were at her inauguration <laughs> and man, she brought Rock him out. She she had support from the president. She had support from the root. She had support from Governor Wolf. She has she has a good team in front of her, and she's already trying to reach out and engage the city, um, giving people opportunities to join her team and asking for feedback. And she's she's from up she's from Philly. She's from uptown. She understands Philly. Understands the city, and yeah. I'm excited. I think that she has great people on her staff. Great people excited. Um, so what are, what are you excited about with, with the city of Philly? Uh, I'm excited for, you know, again, I think we have a great mayor right mm -hmm. now. And um, I'm hoping and even praying that, um, you know, things will uh, go according to some of the, the, the vision that she's laid out. Um, I'm excited that there is movement towards new fields. Mm -hmm. um, and also that, you know, hopefully coaches trainings can happen i'm excited to work with coaches and yeah. training them trauma coaching I'm, I'm excited about that that's going to be great i think the impact i mean there's research there's a psychology today study that i just read a couple weeks back about the impact that coaches can have in conjunction oh. with other other professionals other practitioners but the yes. impact a coach can have is it's unmatched like 
I'm sure anyone who's listening can think about a coach they had at some point from kindergarten up through college that impacted their life. And I think everybody should have a coach even into adulthood. Like go find a coach. If you're working on something, find, find somebody who did it before you and is working at it and has expertise that you just don't have. You'll learn so much more, so much faster. I think that there's only two ways we learn. We learn through our lived experience or we learn from someone else's lived experience. That's any book you've read, any podcast you've listened to, you're learning from someone else's story. So you either learn, learn it yourself or learn it from someone else and learn from as many other people as you can. So let's get more coaches out there, more coaches trained and trauma informed and see how much of an impact we can really make. Uh, Coach, my next question, and we're going to wrap it up. I know you, you got a busy day. You got to get back. And I've been so appreciative and of your time and I want to (laughs) continue to respect it. Um, But what is, uh, what is something you think that people need to talk more about to make this world better or to make a positive impact? What do we got to talk about? Mm. Ah, sound, it probably sounds so cliche, but I think something that we need to talk about is the power of kindness. Mm. You know, I, I think that, you know, we talk about passing things forward, you know, just like the person who drives through the Chick-fil-A and mm-hmm. come up to the window and their meal is paid. Like, these are the small things that that change people's lives. And that person who, who was scraping the money that comes up to the window and realizes, oh gosh, I can keep this little bit of money because mm-hmm. I needed it for something else anyhow, but I was hungry. Like one of the things I really think we need to start talking about is how it doesn't take much to be kind. That's fine. But it has a powerful impact. It has a, a powerful impact. impact. And, you know, issuing a soft, gentle challenge to a group of people in a room that are sitting around who are working in the same company and we're meeting together as in a conference room. And the last thing we say to, to, to the people that we're working with them for, Hey, listen, today, one of the things I want us to really concentrate on is how to be kind to each other. It seems like a small thing, but it's really, really, really important. And it happens so infrequently. It breaks for a better work environment. Oh my goodness. So easy. It's so easy. That's, that's free game to, to any business, any organization. Just be kind. And, I, and I'll tell you, if anything I leave you with, it's going to be the mantra of my girls. I have a girls group I could call ICU, which stands for Intentionally Caring and United. Our mantra is we are trendsetters, holding ourselves to a high standard of kindness. Individuals who are beautiful, bold, and fierce leaders. So that's the mantra that my girls recite every time we're together. And the high standard is kindness. So I think we need to talk about it. What is kindness? How can we be more kind to one another? And, you know, I think that's, I think we need to start having conversations around what does it look like to be kind? I think that's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. Exactly. You, yeah. You keep it simple, but you make an impact. I keep it simple. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Is there anything else that you that you want to share? Anything else you want to let people know about before we go ahead and close this episode down? I want to thank all of the nonprofits and the organizations in Philadelphia doing great work. I see you. I see you. I want to thank you. You're doing great things. I know funding might be tough. I know also that whether you have it or not, you still gonna get out there and do your thing. And I know I'm talking to somebody right now. <laughs> and the thing is, I want you to know your labor is not in vain. Even for the one, five, six, 10, 15 kids that you with. Like it's enough almost. But I'm hoping that you get the funds that you need, the support that you need. But I just want to say, I see you. And I just want to just shout you all out. You're doing great things. You're doing great things. And if I, and if ever I get to see you and we're on the street and we're in the same audience together, make sure you come over and say hello. Absolutely. You see your face, you recognize the glasses, yeah. you're going to see the smile out and about. So definitely stop Coach V. Let her know that you appreciate her, that you listen to the episode. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram, ODAP, uh, on IG, uh, anywhere else they can follow you. Uh, we're on Facebook as Open Door Abuse Awareness Prevention, the full name. But then um, on Instagram, we're like o ODAP Incorporated. So it's O-D-A-A-P-I-N-C. And we're that on Instagram as well as uh, X now slash Twitter. All right. So that's cool. Great. And we have our own YouTube page, O-D-A-A-P. All right. Big things coming for ODAP. I'm so excited for you, Coach V. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, listeners, you. like, subscribe, comment, uh, send in any questions, comments, concerns you've got. Uh, thank you for your time and your attention. That's it for us today. Peace. Peace, people.